Peter said this. He said that the day will come where I'll lay down this tabernacle. Some of you, you read that so fast, you don't know what it means. In the old, in the old testament, they would move the tabernacle. They had 72 hours. Once the horn blew, they had 72 hours to get it packed up and ready to travel. It looked like a walking, uh, armadillo or a badger, if you would. And when Peter said that the day will come where I'll lay down this tabernacle, it doesn't mean it's over. He said, I'm just packing it up and I'm moving on. No matter what religion says that when you die, you go to the grave and it's over. That's, that's a lie. When, when we died, Jesus set the pattern. When he died, he immediately, his spirit went somewhere and it went to the Father. So when we leave this earth, immediately our spirit goes to the Father. Amen. Now our body waits a resurrection. So right now, at this moment, uh, that one thing about it, we are saved by grace, we are kept by grace, and we will die by grace. Dying grace is one of the greatest things that God has ever given us outside of salvation. So Father, this morning, we just thank you. Appreciate the presence of God in this place, but it's not just in this place. Your word declares that the glory of the Lord shall fill this earth as the water covers the sea. And I'm gonna ask you, if you've ever been real in a place, would you please be real in that home right now? And would you just commission your angels in the presence of the Holy Spirit to give that family peace, give Christina peace, give her rest, whatever she needs as she exits this life. Thank you for her life and everything she's done to represent the, not only to her family, but to the community. But what she has done for you and what you've done for her. And I just pray for chastity right now. And I just pray that the Spirit of God will just migrate in that direction towards her. We send our prayers to her. And so we just pray that she'll find peace and rest in the next few hours of her life upon this earth. And we just pray for her this morning. Thank you for what you're doing. Appreciate the songs that Catherine sung to remind us the greatness of God. When all the world fails us, we just go back to the cross. That's where we find rest and assurance. So bless this offering to all those that are obedient to the things of God. We just give you thanks in Christ's name. And all the people of God say amen. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning, huh? Thank you for your giving today. Donald, I'll get with you after church and we will just see what we can do to help you and your family. Right, who's ever in charge of these kids? Please get them out of here, please. Turn to somebody and say, this is your lucky day. Yeah. This will be the most shortest and the most simplest message you've ever heard in 30-something years. Right here. Don't get that excited just because of that. I, I'm going to go in overtime now. So last week we talked about in, in Acts chapter 19, it says special miracles. Paul wrought special miracles, but we found out the word special miracles, it wasn't no, so special like you thought. It was means intercondo, the sweeping of the beaches. When he went to Ephesus, it was a cesspool of, of sin. For two and a half years, he debated the kingdom of God, but, but the undertide swept the beaches. And we found out that's what the Holy Spirit doing is probably in your life. You're not even aware of it. There's things that are going on. You're, you don't, you, all you are see is the, uh, the surface tide but he's the undertide that is stronger than the surface tide. And the apostle Paul said, I've been here for two and a half years. There was litter box everywhere. The beaches was cluttered. I debated the kingdom of God and little did I realize in those two and a half years, as I preached the kingdom of God, 
is the undercurrent that swept the beaches. You're not the same as you was five years ago. You're not the same as you was 10 years ago. You are not the same, same man or woman as you was a year ago. My goodness, you're not even the same person you was a week ago. Why? Because it is the working of the undertile of the Holy Spirit that is at work in your life, cleaning and sweeping the beaches of your heart. And you're not even aware of it. But we can see it. Turn to somebody and say, I can see it in you. Yeah. So unity, we all began with unity and not uniformity, but unity. So how does this work? So I did this a long time ago. And for you that are new, how many's new? How many's been here less than a year? How many's been here 30 years? I know, I know. <laughs> and, and so after 30 something years, I mean, you probably heard me say about everything there is to be, to be said, but, but unity and what is this all about? So here's the deal for you that are new in the faith, for you that are brand new in the faith, how does this work? How does a holy God deal with an unholy people? And, and where do we fit in with God? I mean, where do we fit in with God? I mean, how does this work? And this morning that I'm going to show you a very simple, it's just, we, we talked about this. It won't take long, but, but I, I'm going to tell you how this worked. That as Jesus prayed the prayer in John 17, he said, Father, we have glorified you. Now glorify us that we may continue to glorify you. The word glorify is doxa. It means to, to, to illuminate, to brighten, to expose. Glorify. This morning, I need you to understand something. I know at 3 a.m. you can turn on TV evangelists and they're going to tell you how you can get healthy and wealthy and wise. Please turn them off. You, that's when infomercials come on at 3 a.m. You'll buy anything. The reason why we're here this morning is for one reason only is to glorify God. Amen. That's it. That's it. The reason why I was brought to this earth is to glorify God. That's it. And I know there's people in preacher on TV says, when I look in the mirror, I see, I see God. I'm not that guy. When I look in the mirror, I don't see God. I just see a, a sinful man that's saved by the grace of God. So the idea of that, and I understand what I just said, but the idea, so how does this work? And this is found in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, that the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. My spirit. How does this work? How does this work? Where do I fit in? Did you ever ask yourself that question? Where do I fit in with God's plan? Where do I fit in? I don't fit in anywhere else. I'm always a, a square peg trying to get in everybody's round hole. And they're telling me sanders and jigsaws in church, but it's still not working. So when I'm by myself and when I'm alone and when you're not trying to impress anyone, you ask yourself, God, what are you trying to do in and to and through my personal life? Because if we're not careful, everything around us fails and it all crumbles. So you have to ask your idea, God, what are you doing? And are you doing anything? And yes, he is. Number one, that the spirit of the man, who I am, my essence, my, and, and you see the word soul means mind, will, emotions. Like, but, but the essence of a man is the candle of the Lord. So, so the question is, if, if, if who I am, my mind, soul, and body, and reasoning is this candle, and it's a... <laughs> I thought it was a banana split. I was fixing to eat that baby. If that is me, then what good is that by itself? 
What purpose does it serve? It, it holds down that black sheep. If, if, if who you are, I'm going to pick on you, but I'll, I hate to pick on him, but I will. Thomas, if who you are is this, it says the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. If, 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 if you are that candle, then the question is, what good are you like that? And the answer is not much. Starting to somebody say, you do carry an aroma. So don't get so holy with me about that. Oh, I know you fume up here at church, but we all smell you. Huh? Yeah. And you say the word aroma, we'll talk about the personalities. But, but anyway, so here we are. This is me right there. This is you right here. And we go, this is, this is me. God created me. It's great. But I could turn off all these lights in here and, and you'll figure out real quick that's really not worth the money I spent on it. What's the most important light in your house? Is that 10 watt light bulb in your icebox at 2 a.m. <laughs> when you get up hungry for something and when you reach in that icebox, you'll know the difference between cottage cheese or baby's burp and, and cold cuts. Just a little light goes a long ways. Understand that? So why did you even make me, God? Why, why did you even create me? What good am I possibly doing here on planet Earth? And here's the deal. If we are the candle, which we are, then God is the flame. Now then, I've given God, the flame, a platform to be illuminated, and he's given me a purpose. Now, I could turn all these lights off, and we're not, but, but if I turn them all off, you'd be surprised what that little bit of light would do. So now then, I believe that God made me. I believe that God has saved me. And God, I, if my who I am, my personality, my aromas, whatever, if, if that's who I am, but without him... I'm really ineffective. I, I really don't serve much of a, of a purpose on life. We need him to rest upon us more than just coming to church. So God is the flame and we're the candle and we give him a platform and he gives us a purpose. So number one, the purpose of the candle is to bear or to manifest the flame. God is the flame. Say that with me. God is the flame. I'm the candle. That's it. Now, I'm going to show you three scriptures quick before we go. This won't take long. Number one, you know this, Matthew 5 and 14. You are the light of the world. In a city that's set on hit that cannot be hit. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Jesus is speaking to them. You are the light of the world. In the next verse, look at John chapter 8, verse 12, speaking of himself. And Jesus being said to them, saying, I am the light of the world. I am the lie of the world. Now, in this, in this caption here, it's not correct, but I'll show you. When you get to St. John chapter 1, verses 7, 8, 9, listen to what it says. The same came, which is John, for a witness, to bear witness of, of the light, that all men through him might believe. Verse 8. John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light, that which was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. 
in a normal King James Bible, Matthew chapter 5 and John chapter 8, both is a small L. Trust me. This message is going around the world. I would not lie to you. In a normal King James Bible, because little L represents your ability, like spirit. Anytime the King James that it's a big S, it's the Holy Spirit. If it's a little S, it's your spirit. Your mind, will, and emotions. So you say, well, what in a wide world of sports does that matter? It matters because watch this. It is a Greek word called phos, P-H-O-S, or lampo. Jesus saying, you are not the light. You are a bearer of the light. When Jesus refers to himself, it's the same word. He said, I'm not necessarily the light. I'm the small case L. I'm the bearer of that light. Now, was Jesus the light? Well, absolutely, but you're, you're missing out what's going on. But by the time you get to John, John said that he was not the light. He was a bearer, lampo of the light. And that word light is capital L, which means the Father. So you, you may say, well, what does that mean? It means a lot. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. So you go and go, well, I'm somebody. You're not that important. I'll tell you right now. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You are the lamp. You are the light bearer. You are the candle, but without the flame. And Jesus said, I'm, I'm in the human body, even though that I, I'm divine, but all I am, I am a light bearer of the true light. And it's what John says. I'm not that light. I just, I just manifest the light. I just manifest the lamp, but the true light is the light that bears witness that we do. This capital L means the light. It means the Father. We are bearers or we are candles to manifest or illuminate or lampo, deliver the light. What's most important about this thing? The light. Because this body will surrender and yield one day. So this is all about the Father and his relationship to us. So number one, to make this thing work, number one, the candle must yield to the flame. In order for this to work, the candle has got to yield to the flame. Now, I, I forgot it somewhere, but I had a brick somewhere and I tied a wick to it. The candle must yield to the flame. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 says this. And I will give you a new heart and I'll give you a new spirit and I'll put it within you and I will remove what? The heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. He said, I'm going to remove, I'm going to remove your old stony heart. The adjective of stone, I wrote, there's several of them. He said, he, so if, if you take a brick and put a wick on it and you go, well, this will work, it won't work. Why? Because the brick won't surrender to the fire. Are you getting this? Do you understand that the only way this will work is if this candle yields to the flame? And if I will yield, the flame will continue constant in my life. 
But if I become hard-hearted, that flame won't burn long. Oh, it might burn the fuse, but it's not going to burn the brick. So if, if for me to understand as a Christian, my role and responsibility here is this. God produces the flame and it's my job to produce a soft heart and submit to God. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, submit yourself under the hand of the almighty God. Submit it. Yield. Yield. That's something that they don't do on streets. But besides that, to yield, it means to surrender, submit. So why does Ezekiel say at the moment, because he's dealing with hard-hearted, stony, thick-headed, stubborn, donkeyish people because their heart is of stone. They don't surrender to God. Their heart's not soft. So the adjective to this, or what we're going to use as, as it means the heart of stone, it could be harsh, inflexible, relentless, ruthless, pitiless, cold-blooded, vindictive, fierce, cruel, unforgiving, unmerciful, heartless, uncaring, callous, and you can just name in a few. If your heart is any of these, then I'm going to guarantee you one thing. The flame of God is not staying constant in your life. Period. You can change churches. I don't care. Don't bother me. We have got to get to a place that we've got to humble ourselves before God. We've got to surrender ourselves to God. The Bible says in Philippians chapter two, let this mindset that was in Jesus be in us, that he humbled himself to God and he became obedient, even as a servant or a slave, the Greek says. And that hurts a lot of people in churches today. A slave, not me. But we've got to have that mentality. And God, whatever you want for my life, and I may not understand it, it's not what I signed up, but if it comes my way, I'm going to continue to submit my life to you that you would be glorified. And even though that I went through something, I didn't want it. It happened to me. I didn't want it. But I will tell you that when somebody comes my way and knocks on the door and they're in a dark place, I'm telling you, a little bit of light will help them shed a little bit of hope for tomorrow. Right. And you may say, well, why in the world did I have to go through that? And the first thing most churches tell you, you got a devil. I'm not saying you ain't got a devil. Some of you do. But I'll tell you, that may not be the deal. The deal is I've learned to submit to allow God to continue to be glorified in my life. And somebody came to me, how in the world can you continue to do what you're doing and honor God when all these things are happening to you? It's because I've learned to yield to him. Because the first 20 years, my heart was hard. And, and you don't like me now. You should not have would have liked me 20 years in my first 20 years of life. You're changing. Your heart's softer. You're not the same person you was. You used to be callous and unforgiving. Now then God is changing your heart by the Holy Spirit. And now then what's happening, you're finding yourself as a receptacle to the light. You're, you're delivering the light because only because it's reading, because you're yielding to God. Woo. Number two, or number three, even though, oh, this one gets better. Even though we are all shapes, sizes, and colors. If the smoke alarms won't go off, we'll be in good shape. Even though we're all different in shapes, sizes, and colors, and even aromas. Turn to somebody and say, you're, you're different. You're different. 
You don't, you don't have to be smirky about it. Just say you're different. We got some tall ones and we got some square ones and we got that one and you're different. But even though they were all different, notice the size of the flame is the same. No blowtorch here. Matter of fact, in, we read in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says something like this. Paul said, for I'm telling you that through the grace even that was given unto me that every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, let me explain to you why he says this. Because in two verses later, he's going to list the body gifts in the church. There's seven of them. So he's not just popping off statements here. He's about to give you a chronological order of prophecy and serving and giving and ministering and, and ruling and leadership and showing mercy. He's about to give you, there are seven gifts called the body gifts in the church. And he's about to list them. But he said, but before I list them and tell you what your offices may be in the church, here's rule number one. Don't get the big head about it. It is. There's no big heads here. There's no blow torches here. You understand me? Even though that we're different, the size of the flame is the same. Even though that some are big, some are short, some are tall, but the size of the flame, about a half inch, whatever you want to call it. They're all the same. No matter who we are, that I'm telling you that when God rests upon us, that, that there's no great big flamethrowers here. You know, when, when you... When, when Donna Donna goes on a romantic dinner together, one of the most romantic things they say is to set a candle between, between them and have a conversation. And so you may say, well, if that candlelight works, let's set the table on fire. <laughs> so what does that do? It, it pushes you away. What we don't do here is this. We don't set the table on fire. We're not blowing exhaust out of this church. We're telling you that the Spirit of God comes down and sets upon us. And even though then the body gives, there are different roles and responsibilities that we have. But here's the deal. That all the same, that God's greatness is all the same in our life. And whatever that we do, it's all about the glory of God. You agree with that? That's so important, no matter what we do. And then Jesus said, let the greatest among you become least. So whatever that you do here, whatever that we do here, don't get the big head about it. Don't do it. There's just our responsibility is for God to be glorified in our lives. Jeremiah says it like this, as the moth is drawn to the flame of the candle. So, Lord, I'm drawn to you by your goodness. And last but not least, number four, the color of the candle should never taint the flame. Anytime that the candle taints the flame, you better run from it. It don't matter if it's yellow, that, red, white, red, whatever. It, the, 
the flame is not contaminated by the color of the candle. Anytime church doctrine and church tradition taints to who God is, you better get out of that building. Because he's a holy God. And there's none like him. And we're not here to set up shop to, to be critical and judgmental people. I'm just telling you, but the word of God is true. And and matter of fact, the scripture says it like this. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. Paul says this, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. The word corrupt is a word called kapalos. And by definition, kapalos means to dilute or weaken the strength or integrity of something. It's a bartender's term. I know you don't know what that is. That's a bartender that works at a bar. And some of you don't know it. I know Resendez don't know anything about that. But the idea was that, that a bartender would pour water into the drink to dilute it. Remember what the wedding feast, remember what the governor said? I, no, most weddings, they, they, they serve you pretty good stuff and then you, you get a buzz or whatever they do, then they, they slip in the Mad Dog 2020 on you, whatever that is. But he said, you've done the opposite. You saved the best for last. The word kapalos, same word. The apostle Paul said, but one thing that is true, that I have never ever, like some, but I've never ever diluted or weakened the strength or integrity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No diluting here. No contaminating here. The word of God is strong and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces, and it goes down into the heart and the soul of a man and it cuts up. Merrimoth is the word. It cuts it up and divides and separates it. And I think what's really wrong with the people today is, is that we have churches that are really corrupting and diluting and contaminating the true word of God. So there's two things for sure, that there is a holy God and I'm not him. But I want you to know one thing, that any time that we in our doctrine and traditions and opinions, any time that we taint the flame, we've committed a great crime against God. That's the truth. So unity, here's the greatest picture of unity that I can give you. Different colors, different shapes, different doctrines. We have Pentecostals here. We got Assembly of God's here. We got Presbyterians. We got Nazarenes. We got Church of Christ. We got Methodists. We got Lutherans. We got all kinds of people in this church. I mean, some of you didn't even go to church. That's the people I like the best. It takes me longer to deprogram you. And we got them all in here. But there's one thing that is important. When you learn to yield to the Word of God and yield to the Holy Spirit of God, He will rest upon your life and everywhere you go, you will bear witness of that light and you will dispel darkness, not only for you, but for those who find themselves in a weary place. Amen. So this morning, one of the greatest things that I can present to you as a church is that we're all different. And we all have different responsibilities and we all have roles and different giftings, but there's one thing that we share in common, that it is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of the Father sets upon us. And here's the deal. He gives my life purpose and I'm gonna spend it glorifying Him. Amen. 
Habakkuk said, even though there's no crops in the field, even though there's no calves in the stall, even though the fig tree will not bloom, but yet I will glorify him. Even though that he chooses not to heal me, I will still allow him to set up on my life and be glorified. Only for this reason, here we go, we quit. For what reason? Is that for people that'll come our way to say, what's the secret? And the answer is just submitting our life to God. That's what I want. That's how I want to spend the rest of my life. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're around. I don't know. I don't know what aroma you have, but we've learned a valuable lesson this morning. We're all different. One thing we have in common, the light of God that gives hope to a dark world rests upon us. And it's not tainted by the flame and there's no flame six inches tall that the grace of God rests upon us. Father, this morning, there are people sitting here probably that have asked the question a thousand times that, that what am I supposed to be doing in this life? Everything that I've tried to do or attempted to do has gone the wrong direction. Homes have split apart, marriages have failed. People we pray for, they passed away. And, they, and we get to a place where we feel like what's the use, but we learned a valuable lesson this morning that you brought us to this earth. You created us. You predestinated us. You conformed us. And you put it upon this planet at this space and time. And we found out this morning that only because that true light of the Father can rest upon us that we can give hope and clarity. We can give vision. We can dispel darkness, not only for ourselves, but we can dispel darkness for those that stumble along our way. We can light a light. We can give hope. Where hope is deferred, the heart becomes sick, your scripture says. So wherever we go and whatever we do this morning, we have a purpose. And this is our purpose, is to glorify the Father. Number two, we found out that there's nobody here that is more important than the other one. So there's no sense of bragging about it. Your scripture says you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble and meek. You live upon those with a contrite spirit, one that knows how to yield and surrender and give. And Father, we're going to learn to surrender our lives to you right now. We're tired of being the stone. We're tired of being the brick. We're tired of everything not working. We're just going to surrender and we want to give you our heart and our mind and our soul and our home. We just give it to you. Just take it. Would you please rest upon us? And number three, Father, we'll never contaminate who you are. We'll never pollute the flame. You're a holy God. There's none like you. And I pray this morning that as when we leave this place, they will just be simple candles into a dark world that just needs a little hope. And that hope is the Father. So this morning, ladies and gentlemen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you can stand if you'd like to. Come on, let's stand. You can even take somebody by the hand and just tell them, I'm just... I'm just glad you're a part of my life. But here's the answer. It's the hope of glory. It's Christ, the hope of glory that lives 
in us. You have a purpose. You have a calling. You are the candle. Glorify God in all that you say and do in Jesus' name. And the people of God say, Amen. Let all the candles of the Lord give the Lord a praise offering this morning, huh? Isn't God good? Mm -hmm. All the time. Communion servers, if you'll please come, please. You are the light of the world. I mean, you are the light bearer of the world. There's one that sets upon you and there's one that rests upon you that is that light, John said. I'm not that light. I've just come to bear witness of that light. I'm just a lamppost. I'm just a vessel that that light, which is the Father, can rest upon me. And for every husband this morning, that we pray that we'll be a light to our family. To every father this morning, we pray that we'll be a light to our children. For every mother in this place, that she'll be a light and influence in that home. That every believer in this place, that we'll be a light and a reference point that the Father may rest upon us, that men may know the goodness of God because He lives and rests upon us. That night he sat with his disciples, probably at a candlelight, and he broke bread that night. We celebrate Holy Communion every week. You know this. And Jesus took that bread and that cup, and he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the first Passover with the unleavened bread. But he said, I'm now the, in the bread of life. And if any man eat of me, he will never hunger again. And they took the bread. And then he took the cup. The third cup, the cup of redemption. And he said for 1,500 years from the first Passover, you've been taking the blood of the lamb and placing the shape of a cross upon the doorpost and the death angel that night, the Abaddon would pass over. But he said, I'm the lamb of God now that takes away the sins of the world and my father will now take my blood and place in the shape of a cross. And whosoever drinketh this cup and partake of this bread, Remember me. Father, we just say corporately as a church, we're going to submit to you and I'm going to yield to you and I'm going to surrender my life to you. No more stony heart, no more calloused heart, no more stubborn ways. We want to do it your way. We want to submit to your word and your will that you may be glorified in our life. Rest upon us from this day forward by your Holy Spirit. Bless this cup, bless this bread in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.